welcome to Decoding Debbie. I am Brandon Hay. You can find me on Twitter at HayB3. And I've had a couple people uh, ask me about C2C startup. So I thought tonight we would talk about uh, C2C strategy and just what exactly uh, C2C is. So I have uh, Xander Peters on with me. So uh, Xander, how are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Um, I am at um, it's spelled with an X, just like you you see right there. Um, yeah, it's really old. So, but yeah, you can find me there. Okay, yeah, and um, Xander had runs uh, a few uh, C two C leads, so that's how uh, we kind of met. So, uh, how many how many C two C leads are do you, are you in, and how many do you commission? Oh, I commission every single one I'm in. I promise I don't have like control issues though. Um, <laughs> so I guess. So I'm in 18 leagues overall, so I guess 17. I commissioned 17 of them, and I guess, let's see. I think nine or 10 of them are C2Cs, but they're kind of like, it kind of varies because I got this one C2C that is a part of a seven-sport league. Um, so it's uh, college football, NFL, um, college basketball, <laughs> NBA, MLB, EPL, and then um nhl but that would like require like a whole show in itself to explain like really the logistics of it but um and yeah so call it like nine or ten i think okay yeah um i'm in 14 now so i'm in uh i think i'm in one of your debbie leads and one c2c league and um yeah so uh when did you start playing Let, let's just go off with some of uh, the questions about like c2c in general with you uh when did you start playing c2c i started playing last season and I'm already up to 14 leagues. So, uh, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a very fast-moving process. <laughs> yeah, exact same for me last season. I don't think I had even heard about it until uh, like midway through the 2020 season. I guess I, I stumbled across it on the internet somehow. Yeah, definitely. I didn't even know what it was. Um, I, I, I heard someone talk about, you know, Campus Canton, C2C, and, like, I had no idea what, what it was called. I knew it had something to do with college football, um, and then I had to look it up. And then, one, you know, I've been playing Debbie about, like, two or three years before last year. So um, that that's how I kind of uh, found out about it. So um, what made you decide to start uh, commissioning some of the leagues, or did you just want to um, be able to start it, start it up yourself? Uh things really i i didn't see when i i got into it last year there weren't a whole lot of people launching leagues so i just want to kind of dive into it and um also as you know i was really interested in this really messed up complicated recruiting strategy um where you essentially earn points through achievements like winning the conference championship or player postseason player awards or a playoff appearance or um conference rival wins um, so I was really interested in doing that, and I felt like it's kind of an absurd expectation to suggest to anyone else, so I figured I might as well go ahead and run it. No, that makes sense. We'll definitely uh, get into that a little bit, uh, you know, because um, it's it's different than a lot of other C2C leagues I'm in, in the one where we're doing the um, auction style and everything. And um, so we'll talk about that, but I just want to talk about uh, C2C basics. Um, for anyone that uh, has not been, uh, you know, in a C2C league or doesn't know what it is, uh, pretty much it's a fantasy football league where you have not only a college side, but NFL side. You can win both sides. You have a full roster on both sides. And like Debbie, when the college players go into the NFL, they come exact, come, um, you know, directly onto your uh, NFL, NFL roster. Um, and usually it's split up. Um, Sometimes it's split up 50-50. Sometimes they uh, they favor the NFL side more, but you can win money on either side. So that's what I kind of like because there's so many different ways that you can go about um, when you really start up, you know, do a startup draft and everything. So, um, and then, uh, you know, it's a little different to kind of say uh, a little more, even more extreme than Debbie because I know uh, – because some people that aren't in Debbie leads, when they the rookie draft comes along on the NFL side, um, you know it's what they call Debbie depleted. There's not as many players as in you know just regular dynasty format. And it's even more extreme in C2C since you have you know 
45 people, 45 players on your roster. It's even uh, a smaller amount of players that come out, kind of the players that come out of nowhere or, um, you know, or on the lower level uh, college side. So there's that, you know, the rookie draft doesn't have as much. And then there's also a supplemental side on the, on the college side where you have 15 rounds where you can draft either freshmen or players that haven't been taken um, before. So this is where I'll kind of get you involved on the college waiver process. I've been in leagues where uh, on the college side that there are no waivers, that there's only two waivers during the season, that there's, you know, all the waivers. What do you, um, you know, what do you think is the best way or or your, the way that you prefer to have the college waivers um, in CTC leagues? Uh, I don't know if this uh, is kind of controversial on my end in the, uh, the C2C community, so to speak, but um because of that weird recruiting thing, and let me like kind of briefly explain it as fast as possible. Um, so it's everyone, say 12, 16 guys, however big the league is, um, everyone has six players to recruit an auction draft at first. Um, so you go through that and you use the money you earned like recruiting or through points that you earned and achievements, kind of like I explained a moment ago. And then we have a, a six round traditional linear draft. So I actually, just to get back to your question, I. I set it at 25 draft moves a season. I mean, 25 waiver moves a season. Um, just because to give kind of people a handicap in case they're, they're maybe they don't do very well in the auction or any kind of either of the supplemental drafts. So just so they can keep building their team throughout the year. No, I like that too. Um, uh, because I've heard some people say that they only do very little um, because it would be too overwhelming for new players. But I, I think the way you think about it is even better because I know I did my first CTC league last year and I didn't really know what I was doing. I was drafting a lot of players that like I had heard of, but aren't necessarily, you know, great college producers. So in some leagues when there were no waivers, it's kind of like you're stuck all season. Like I thought, especially at the tight end position, I think, uh, especially in college, it's it's really hard to you think you know there might be um, tight ends that you know are are going to be really good. One example is uh, you know when I first started, I drafted a lot of uh, Theo Johnson, tight end from Penn State. Um, you know he he was getting a lot of hype and everything, and he did very little. Um, so without those waivers, there's one league where I had to start two tight ends, and there's no waivers, so. Literally, I, I there are players in those positions, but they didn't play. So it was right. like I was taking two zeros every week. So it's it's definitely um, you know I like I like that there. Um, I don't think it should be a total like free for all where you have as many as you want. Um, but I think there's somewhere in the middle. You know, the twenty five. I some that, that are eight. I think that's fine. Some are you can just do two a week. Um, so that kind of equals probably similar to what your number is. Mm. Um, so I think that's good because for people that are just starting off, I, I would think um, obviously I'm, you know, just like you as much of a degenerate that like, you know, even though, <laughs> even though I was getting zeros for tight ends for, you know, multiple weeks, I still, I still, you know, enjoyed playing, but there's to be some people that that might turn them off and like, you know, I don't want to play right. anymore. So, um, Oh, another thing I'm going to do right now is just show kind of like the roster construction um, so for the college side, uh, it's going to be on fan tracks. I know, um, probably if you've been anywhere around Twitter or anyone, you know, that, um, a lot of people don't like fan tracks. Um, I will say this year, it looked like it was getting a lot better, um, getting the players in. And then like, you know, in the last week, like players disappeared and everything like that. So, um, norm, you know, it's kind of the norm with them. Uh, sometimes we have to use a lot of times we, when we do the college side, we have to use a spreadsheet. And then um, uh, I've, I've never commissioned a league like that, but I'm sure that's a pain in the ass to have to add all those players. No, it's um, – where to, where to start with kind of the, the pains in the asses with fan tracks? Um, it, it's not that bad, like, moving add, – adding the players. You kind of get a rhythm to it. And, you know, guys are so <laughs> rightfully anal about things that they'll point it out if you make a mistake and you get that – it's easy to fix, but kind of like you were saying about Fantrax, man, it's like, shout out to Nathan, the customer support Fantrax out there, if you're out there listening by chance. Um, dude, you are, you are real ones, but it's been a nightmare kind of 
running things through that app this this off season. But um, you know, it's I I kind of pre- I prefer using like Word Docs just to keep it keep track of everything. It's easy, just moving everything back and forth. Is this one of the leagues we're in together? Yes, yes. Okay, this is MLF. Yes, yes. So um, this one, so for example, um, most most of the or at least most of the C two leagues I've been in, you know, there's two um, there's two quarterbacks. Uh, different than the NFL and dynasty is that there's so many college teams you don't really need a super flex because there's plenty of quarterbacks to go around. So you have to start two quarterbacks, like we have two quarterbacks here, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and in this league particularly, we have four flats. And then, as you can see, you have a ton of you know other other players. And in this league, you kind of have like a taxi squad, which is um, you know usually uh, freshmen can be on on here. And um, as you see, you know there's uh, you know the the it's usually around forty five players. So. These drafts are very lengthy, so um, just just be aware of that. Um, I'm actually about to start, uh, you know, do a startup very, very soon. So we're probably going to be pushing getting it done um, right before the season. But um, it's, it's, it's fun, um, I guess, if you really like to draft um, because, you know, usually there's us, uh, you pick to either do the NFL or the college side first and um, – then actually the one I'm about to start is it's all mixed together. Uh, have you ever done, have you ever done a startup like that? No, that sounds like, a, like I might need to go see a therapist or something after that sounds intense, man. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I have no idea. My, like, I have no idea what my strategy is going to be because um, we'll, we'll get into, I'll just mention briefly. We'll get into this. So say um, one side starts first. You know, the NFL side, I've done where I go really young on the NFL side, and then I know I'm going to focus on the college side. So I can do that. You can trade um, some of your NFL draft picks or NFL startup picks for the, to get some higher-end college players. But in this sense, I mean, since everything's together, I don't even know how you prioritize. I guess you could still do that, but your NFL team might be really, really bad. Say, you know, if you just draft, like, first 10 picks college, then, you know, obviously the NFL side could be really bad. So – um, that's part of it too. And like dynasty on the, um, you know, on the NFL side, it's, um, big rosters, um, usually around 30 or 40 players. Um, and then, you know, a lot of these players that get moved over, um, get put straight on the taxi, uh, taxi squad because they aren't going to play, you know, right away. Some of them might ne- never play, um, on the NFL side, but they're still going to be on your team. Let me actually see if I can, Pull when it pull the roster up real quick. Oh, and on the NFL side, I, I, that's what I was going to get to. But I got too uh, busy talking about how much fan tracks can suck. Uh, you can either do the NFL side on um, MFL and Sleeper, um, just like regular Dynasty, you know, fantasy football. There's a big divide on it, you know, people liking Sleeper over, um, you know, MFL, but that's where the NFL side is. Um, I personally like Sleeper uh, better, and I think your leads are usually on Sleeper. Do you like Sleeper better? Yeah, I've, uh, I have can't imagine using – let me amend what I said earlier in case someone from Fantrax is out there. They don't respond to my customer support things anymore. Uh, Fantrax, we, every, we must do anything possible to not let Fantrax be the MySpace we call it fantasy football. You know, like it, it, they're, they're so creative in like their settings, and uh, even though you got to – really have an associate's degree to learn how to like set up a league properly without making some kind of dumb mistake. Um, it's really cool. But yeah, I've never, I always used sleeper on the pro side. Um, at MLF, it, it doesn't seem, uh, I, I don't get it. That's frankly, have you used MLF? Or uh, MFL, I mean? Yes. I, 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 I use both. I prefer um, sleeper. Because I do a lot of my fantasy football on my phone and the 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 mobile. I mean, I, you can't really even use the mobile app. I don't even know if it's called. You can call it a mobile app. Pretty much, there's a mobile app, and then I go to the actual website and then do things on there. Because there's some, um, like if you're over the roster roster limit on MFL, it won't let you on the on the app. It won't let you drop a player one by one. They'll keep on giving you an error. So I have to go to the actual website to, to like drop all the players at once, which is kind of a pain. Um, 
sleeper. The, I won't. I won't lie. The sleeper. There's things that they could um, fit. But what I like about sleeper is that they are adaptable. They'll listen and they, you know, kind of change on the fly. Um, they've already done a lot of updates. Um, you know, I think I like the draft better. I like how the roster show on sleeper better. You can see all the people you can trade with. So let me get into that. So this is the sleeper league. Um, this this league actually you only start one quarterback. Um, you know, you have the but it's a normal lineup, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end flex. And you see all these different bench spots, keeps on going. And then here we go, some um, um, taxi spots, um, you know, like some players like uh, Cole Turner, um, who knows, uh, I'm a big Cole Turner fan, but, you know, he's on the he's on the commanders. Who knows if he'll really play? We have John Metz and Jerome Ford. These aren't that, you know, um, bad, but kind of players like Luke Farrell for Jacksonville tight end, you know, you don't know if he'll ever play and, you know, you probably wouldn't necessarily have him on a dynasty team, but uh, you know, with CTC, they just come right, come right over and kind of what I was talking about too on um, look at the rosters and trade MFL. You, uh, you can't do this. Watch. It's not going to, Oh yeah. Pulls up. So you can see everyone's roster at the same time. Whereas MFL, you kind of have to go roster by roster and I like this. You, it's much easier to see. So that's how, um, you know, the, the two leagues are set up. Um, you know, there's, there's, you can do it on MFL or sleeper. I'm um, now um, talk about a little more of um, preferences. So with your C2C, uh, C2C teams, you know, you're in multiple leagues. How do you decide what, um, what players you watch every week in college football? Uh, it, it depends on the team and the stakes. It, it varies, really. So, like the, the opening night of week one kickoff, I'll watch Pittsburgh and West Virginia, if I remember correctly. Um, just because it's the biggest game on, uh, the rest is like everyone's playing like an FCS team of week one. Um, I'll watch Memphis and Mississippi State in week one because it's going to be a revenge game for Mike Leach because they got embarrassed last year with that weird call. Um and I also have like guys like Jaquavius Marks. Uh, I hope I pronounced his name right. Uh, Will Rogers and folks like that. So it, it, I guess like if it's not like a team I root for, like Texas or really like any of the Texas-based schools, I'm a Texas State alum. They're really hard to root for. Um, uh, yeah, it's really just based on who the highest stakes in a game for me, fantasy-wise. So like the most players I have starting. I put together like this weird note stock. Era. Like I redo this notes doc every week to kind of see what, how many shares of a player I've started in certain places. So just so go and move it around. I don't like I like spreading out the risk. So I'm 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 real finicky about it. So. Yeah, that that was going to be my next question because I know some people on you know fantasy football dynasty. There's I guess two two friends of mine when you're in a bunch of leagues. Do you want you know all the same players so you can keep track of you know all the players, or do you want to kind of spread it out? But, I mean, obviously, when you spread it out, you know, if you're rooting, say you're rooting for Zeke in one league, you know, you're probably rooting against Zeke in another league if you, you know, spread that part out. So there's kind of a little bit of both of that. And um, at least for me, um, I'm a Michigan fan, so I watch the Michigan game every week. Um, and then I'll probably pick another game, um, depending on when we play, that I'll kind of keep track of. But uh, one, one big thing that I think college football could really do is have – like a red zone channel. I know they have that ESPN has that one channel or that one thing that where they kind of go goal. It's called goal line or something like that, where they go back and forth, but truly just like red zone. If they had something like that, I think they could um, really, even for the people that don't play C2C that just want to see, you know, what's going on. And then um, a lot of the late night games, once my wife goes to sleep and doesn't mind that I'm staying up watching more football, um, I'll usually watch some of those and that I didn't watch before. Like the fresh, I was big into Fresno State and Nevada last year because right. they had a lot of good fantasy players with Jake Hayner, Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, all those players. So watch some of those, watch some of those late Pat 12 games. Um, so, uh, in, so that's what I kind of do. I kind of like stat, stat watch, you know, kind of, I'm constantly looking at the bottom line once I see, you know, Maybe South Carolina score. I, I I pull up my phone to see you know who scored and everything like that. Um, right. Obviously, it's impossible to keep track of all the players like um, on the NFL side uh, because there's just more teams and everything. 
Um, I want to get your opinion too for C2C because some people say, you know, they don't really watch college football. Uh, so, you know, they, they don't really know if they want to do that. So do you think C2C is just for the college football fanatics or do you think, you know, truly anyone could enjoy it? Oh, before I get into that, anyone can enjoy it. Um, it it's fun, man. It's like, it's a numbers game. It's a, a, the deeper you get into it, the more it becomes a strategy game, like any kind of fantasy football. Um, anyone can get into it, but it, it really helps if you're a college football nut. And I also wanted to kind of like answer your question to add to like the last thing you said. There were a few moments this year, early on, where I was just craving football or this past year. Um, so like the first two weeks, I'd, I'd go nuts. I would have a, my, my TV going right there one weekend or what in one corner. And then I'd have my desktop going in another and I'd bring in another TV. I have like three games going on at once. And like the same commercial would come on, but it have like a three second lag. I'd like get disoriented, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh man, I can't do this anymore. I'm starting to get dizzy. But um, yeah, anyone get to the CTC, um, really unlike like two, three years ago, um, the groundwork is there like easy access with campuscanton.com. Uh, give them a little shout out. Of course, um, they've, they've put the, uh, the blood and sweat into gathering all those players with their, um, their ranking system. So, you know, no, really, I don't think it's, I, I think it sounds a lot more complicated than it really is. Yeah, definitely. That's why I wanted to show the rosters. And, um, I actually, um, Someone on the uh, Dynasty Nerds Discord said that they were doing a startup, and you know I don't really care. So a startup I did earlier this year, I just I just sent them the spreadsheet that we use, so they could see like you know when players were drafted right. and those type of things. Because you know um, I'm one where I know there's some people probably don't want to give up like their secrets or whatever, but I mean honestly, there's really no secrets. I mean, what it's like once you play in a couple of leagues, you know everyone's going to start no the players you like and everything like that. Um, I think it's good too, because, you know, kind of how Debbie helps you with regular dynasty, this helps you with Debbie and even more on dynasty because you're going to know all these college players more than, you know, the other people in, you know, in your league, you're going to know, you're not going to have to cram for the rookie draft when it happens because you're going to already know who these players are and you don't have to fall. You don't have to watch every single game. You could just, you know, like your team and just, you know, kind of stat watch and just kind of maybe, you know, check some highlight highlight stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of you're, – you're going to learn as you go. And one thing, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some, you know, tips and everything. One thing, you know, just like anything you start, you know, redraft, then you get a dynasty, then you get a Debbie, you're going to make mistakes at the beginning. When I started, you know, uh, dynasty leads, I made some horrible trades. You know, CTC, I thought, you know, uh, my first league, I thought I was going to win the championship easy and I didn't even make the playoffs. So, um, so, you know, it's all fun. You just, but the, the nice thing is, you know, a lot of these leagues are similar uh, buy-ins that regular, you know, dynasty leagues, but you have the more opportunity to get some money back. You know, if you win the college side, if you win the NFL side, there's more opportunity to place. Um, so that's kind of the part I like too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought it was so funny. I, like you said, I went into it um, pretty confident last year. I was like, well, I've done all my research, and um, I had all these complicated rules. I was like, no one has an advantage quite like I do. And I I got my ass kicked in three out of four leagues, you know, on the college side at least. Um, uh, at least I had some, some tread on the pro, did pretty well. But I <laughs> uh, got the shit beat out of me. But, yeah, you, really, you get the whole the hang of it after the first year. Um they're just kind of some weird nuance to who you start like not every week. Like Jameer Gibbs isn't going to be a sit him and forget him kind of guy like um, Jonathan Taylor would be in or I guess Jonathan Taylor's not a good example. Um, I don't know, but like some uh, pro equivalent running back uh, just out of the fact that if they play Mercer, so their FCS opponent week 11, uh, chances are they're that. The running backs only they start going to play like two quarters. So there's a lot of nuance that comes with the game. Uh, you got to look at that, like the SEC schedule, and then you got like the Mac, and they they light it up. Um, it's weird. It just takes a little experience, but anyone can do it. It's not not near as hard as some of the folks make it out to be. You know? Yeah, definitely. And um, I want to you know I'll plug them again. Canvas Canton got com. You know, definitely worth a subscription. 
and they have they have they've definitely this year really gone all out with everything they have you know great tools on their website for adp rankings um regular just college fantasy that's not even c2c they do videos constantly um all those guys in the uh you know in the discord and even the people that subscribe they they're knowledgeable so it's really a great part great thing to have it if you are either just doing Debbie or C2C, since you talked about that, let's go ahead into some of the, some of the strategy. Um, like I said earlier, you can kind of go all in on college on, you know, go all in on the NFL, do a mixture. Um, I like to, I told a lot of people last year, I think I was in like seven C2C leads last year. And you would think since I've never done it before the NFL side, I would do better. Yeah. I mean, you would think all my NFL sides did horrible and my college sides all did really like I think uh you know I made the playoffs in like six out of seven seven of the leagues. Oh good on you championship yeah championship and one and I was like that doesn't even make sense like it's totally new to me the NFL <laughs> side I should be able to do a lot better and I it wasn't even the you know me going all in on the college side necessarily it was just you know crazy odds you know and everything like that so let's kind of talk about that do you like to do a mixture when you do a startup or do you prefer to focus on NFL or college? What, what do you really do? I focus on both. I don't, I don't have a preference. I just try to find uh, the best guy for dynasty purposes on pro. I find the best guy that's going to give me the longest, what I anticipate to be the longest in production. Um, and on college, I, I don't go too heavy on freshmen. You know, it seems like a lot more people are going pretty heavy on the, some of the incoming class and just kind of understanding the the way of things and reading a lot of the beat reporting on some of these programs. Um, they're not going to see the field for like two years. So I'll, I'll do like 12 to 15 freshmen, um, a majority of whom will be on my, my, Debbie, or my taxi list. But um, other than that, if I can get as many high-scoring P5 players, good. Um, but I'll, like, fill in between with, like, high-scoring G5 players. You can't ignore, like, the MAC and uh, the Mountain West and things like that. They light it up. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the college side because I know um, this was a couple of the questions I got about startups. Like, you know, do you should you go Debbie? Should it be Debbie? Or should you look at Debbie rankings? Should you look at just college fantasy uh, rankings? At least from what um, a lot of people that I, I know and trust, and what I kind of try to do is, I would say probably the first ten rounds is probably a mixture of or you know, DFE players that can still produce on the college side, um, and then kind of after that, uh, you kind of start looking at maybe just college college producers, and then maybe and then you know um, probably like in the third you know after thirty, then I kind of start. Um, you know, stockpiling some positions or stockpiling some younger players that aren't necessarily going to play right away. Is that kind of the same uh, format you do, or does it just kind of depend on how it falls? Yeah, I think that's kind of like the general rule of thumb. Uh, I mean, all that, that values at the top of those first 10 rounds. Why not um, Why not take Trevante Sisson in like the sixth or seventh round if he falls to that? Um, it seems like he's rising a little bit, but that's just an example. Um yeah, but it seems like a – I don't know. It, it depends on the kind of league you're in. So there is some merit to taking some of the higher-scoring G5 players who are statistically less likely, particularly like running backs, statistically less likely to translate to the pros. Um, out of the fact that if you score more points, you win more, and you win more recruiting points in the long run in our leagues. So there, there is some merit to it. But, you know, if you're in like your, your traditional C2C league, however traditional that – might be um yeah i'd say like 10 to 12 rounds like it's kind of difficult because you get to like that 15th round you're like man that's a he's a really good freshman i would like to pick up someone else like him but like man i really need someone to like fill in that that bye week for one of those wide receivers and i think it depends on too just like uh in dynasty leagues um you know there's some rookie classes better than other others there's some freshman classes that are better than others i think this this current you know uh, freshman class a lot of people are more excited about than maybe you know last year's or the year before so I think that that kind of um, changes how early you would kind of pick some of those I know some of the freshmen this year have been picked fairly highly like you know the Drew Allers uh, quarterback for Penn State Nick Singleton running back for Penn State um, a lot too way too many Penn State players are getting drafted early uh, yeah, but it can all work out if, if it feels like you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm really hoping they don't all work out because I don't want Penn state to be that good, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, um, and then there's some teams like, like the Alabamas, the Clemsons, they're going to get a lot of good players. And sometimes people want to take, want to make sure they get a piece of it. Like last year, um, it didn't really work out for people like, like me that, uh, got a guy hall, you know, really high, um, mm-hmm. because I wanted a piece of those Alabama receivers and sometimes they don't always work out or sometimes you have to wait three years. So you kind of have to, um, gauge that part too. Um, usually the, definitely the first round, if I want to, um, if I really want to compete on the college side, I'm probably going to try to move up because I, there's definitely that tier break in the first round, you know, after probably like the first few picks um, that I, I want to move up for the, those players like uh, Bijan Robinson out of Texas, you know, tr- you know, Travion has two more years, but Travion Henderson at Ohio state, um, Jameer Gibbs, Georgia Tech to Alabama, um, you know, those, you know, the two quarterbacks and uh, CJ Stroud and uh, Bryce Young, um, those type you know, the, and a lot of wide receivers this this year I think it's a little different because 2023 the class is just so loaded um, of or at least what it looks like going in, into the season so um, but I think the the startups kind of that way and just to give a little bit more information or let me ask you so in the leads that you commission um, do you usually start the NFL side first. Yeah, um, one there's been was one exception, and I guess it was so. Like my my general rule of thumb was I never start the NFL draft before. I mean the NFL side of a, a C two C league before the actual NFL draft. And it's good guys screw themselves. They like they get that rookie fever, and they're like, "Well, what are you doing, man?" Um, I can't remember the like the, goes to show how he didn't turn out that the running back for Tampa like two years ago, the rookie. Oh Vaughn, yeah, 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 Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, yeah, I remember guys were drafting him in like the like sixth round of a startup, or uh, that's probably a little exaggerated. But anyway, uh, the point being, um, one one draft we did do the college first, but only because we were we were filled and by some uh, act of God, everyone had already paid in. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, I like the NFL side first too because I can decide um, I can decide what I really want to do based on the pick I get on the NFL side and then kind of how the drafts drafts going, because if you do the college side first and you want to go more lean heavy on the college side, it's harder to make those trades for NFL picks when that NFL draft isn't happening yet. I think. Um, whereas if the NFL drafts happening, you could maybe trade, you know, like a second or a third round startup for, you know, a first first round college side. And then, you know, maybe a later, NFL pick or a first and I like fourth. So you can really go up and get one of those um, high profile guys because some people want to make sure that they win on the NFL side side early because that's what they feel more comfortable with. Um, I know last year, a couple of leagues kind of screwed me because I went super young. I went a lot of young players. So I went like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as my quarterbacks. And that's still, that still might like do well for me, you know, in a year or two, but last year, that was that was some rough going, some really low point totals um, on my NFL side. So it you know it's a lot of what you kind of want to do strategy wise. If you want to com- like I said, if you want to compete on the NFL side early, you could just build it like a you know like a win now team, um, and maybe if you have a win team win now team, then on the college side, you know you might want to go young you know younger players that um, or the more Debbie side, you know, Debbie high players, because you want those players to come in, um, you know, and make sure you can replenish when those older players are kind of gone. Like if you're going all in with like the Derrick Henry, Tom Brady, those type of players, make sure you get the college players that say in two years are going to be really good, good in the league, rather than, you know, if you have younger players, like I said, like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, those type of players, then you could get just college producers that might have a chance of being good in NFL and not really, not really hurt yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, and I guess it kind of relates to that's why I think there's value in having waiver moves on the college side too, or at least more than like two or between like eight or maybe not 25 as much as we do. Not everyone even uses them all the time, but um, yeah, I mean, it just, it's no fun to, if you want to go young on the college side, then you like sit there and get your ass kicked for 11 or 10, 11 weeks. 
um, go, you know, people should have the opportunity to go get some, some fun G5 guys. And I mean, what else you got to do on a Thursday night sometimes? I mean, I guess the NFL, but. Well, I, this was the first year I re- truly dove into the, the matching, you know, later in the season nice. when they play Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and that's one of the, you know, I'll go ahead with that's one of the tips I have is get a lot of those Mac type guys um, because who knows, they might blow up too towards the NFL. But just know they, when they play those, those big name schools early on, you shouldn't play them. And yeah. that's, that's the part. That's the part. Don't play them then, but like play them mid season to the end. Cause those matching games, I don't know what it is about those Tuesday and Wednesday night games. The scoring is ridiculous. Like some of those games, like you're talking about games in the fifties, like, you know, every week. And, um, you know, I guess it's, you know, they, uh, I mean, they, the defenses aren't prioritized necessarily, I guess in that lower, lower level, but yeah, you can get some really exciting players. And we've seen with the transfer portal, some of those Mac players, you know, had really good freshman seasons, like Mumfield that, you know, transferred to Pitt, right. uh, Tucker that transferred to Memphis. Um, so they, they, you know, I think the transfer portal is really changing a lot of that. A lot of those smaller schools, you want to get in on those guys because they could have one big year and then transfer to the big schools and you could be really set up um, for them to be more of a Debbie player than you thought originally. Yeah, I think we're going to – this is going to be the uh, the test for that this year with guys like Isaiah Nayers. I don't know. I, I, I As a Texas fan, I want to think he's going to be good, but, you know, I don't know if it's going to translate to – I think he, he scored like over 250 points last year um, altogether. Um, it's hard to imagine that translating, but, you know, I'm open to being wrong on it. Let's, let's – uh, usually – um, I forgot you're a Texas fan. So usually we talk about, you know, the favorite team. Right. So let's, let's go a little side, side, side note. So, um, so is Texas finally going to be back or is this going to be uh, another one, uh, another one, another one of those blip, another one of those blips? Or do you think they are finally going to like, well, I mean, they really need to get it figured out before they go through the SEC. So, Oh um, yeah. Um, so, it seems like the headlines get moved up a little bit too, or whatever. SA 25, but. Um, I think this year's gonna be kind of awkward because you got a, a a 19-year-old quarterback. We we kind of think of him as a second-year player, but he essentially redshirted both college and his senior year. He got two snaps. Um we have a bunch of new guys between Aguia Hall. Um our offensive line's really, really young. We've recruited really well so far this year. Or this year. Uh, we got some good recruits coming in next year. Defense. It's hard to say. Uh, I know they, they just landed like some big FCS player. Um, they have some other decent guys recruited. Nine and three at best. You know, I, I'm, I'm done like assuming we're going to win 10 games kind of thing. Um, <laughs> just uh, just take it on the cheek. And, like, you know, eight and four, nine and three. That'd be a hell of an improvement from five and seven. Hey, as as a as a Michigan fan, um, that's that's where I was at. And uh, last year, everything went together, you know. So you never know. Good for you, um, man. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I'm interested about yours too because you know everyone thinks he's the he's the next thing. You know, he's just gonna go in there. Um, and I think he could be good, but I'm not ready. Like you know, ranking wise, you know, uh, especially Debbie putting him that high because I haven't seen it, and we've seen enough of those you know, high profile guys that just don't work out. It's just, you know, he's, I mean, he has plenty of weapons and that offense seemed to do pretty well last year. Um, it just seemed like they couldn't close out games and they kind of fell apart, you know, in, in fourth quarter. So maybe with a better quarterback, they can kind of do that. I am very interested in how uh, Texas will go. And I have a lot of shares of Bijan. So um, nice. I, I, I hope, uh, you know, I hope he, he continues to do well and, um, it's kind of interesting you know, a lot of people, you know, um, Austin at, at campus Canton was, I'll give him his credit. He was one of the first ones that kept on, you know, talking about Bijan and a lot of people were late. A lot of the NFL, um, you know, people are starting to, I'm not necessarily like I'm talking to people in the NFL, you know, fans of the NFL are starting to see like how good he is and kind of getting on their radar, his radar, because, you know, he's going to be in the NFL next year. So it will be interesting. And I think, that's the, you know, with all the money, you know, that they're supposedly paying out for the NIL and everything, it'll be interesting. 
how long they they kind of let Sark maybe be mediocre um, with all that money that's coming in because you know I, I'm sure the, the the boosters or whoever's giving money um, isn't going to you know wait around for sits and sits years too long you know when they're throwing all this money around. Yeah, no, that that that's plenty fair, um, especially given Sark's track record. It would be the first head coaching job he's lost. Um, at the same time, you know, I, in terms of viewers, he seems like such a cool cat to me. You know, he's been in the spotlight since he was like 14 years old. Um, he seems like a really smart guy. It seems very charismatic, so it'll be easy to lead the locker room. Uh, so I, I have a really hard time seeing him go out there and looking like Hudson Carr did against Arkansas last year. Like, it was just totally – the stage was way, way, way too big. Even if you looked at it against Louisiana the week before, um, you know, it just it just seems stunned. But, you know, Quinn Ewers, he was at South Lake Carroll in high school. Those, they were in the, I remember in the mid-2000s when they were winning all the state championships, they were the first high school sponsored by Under Armour. So they got, they got like a, a celebrity culture that's probably the closest thing you get to uh, the, the fictional depiction of Friday Night Lights, you know? So that, uh, in a lot of ways, between both him and Arch Manning, who we like to presume will just kind of assume the throne someday, they were born for this. You know, there's probably really hardly not many people that are better equipped than those two to lead a struggling Texas Longhorns program. I, I agree. I'm glad you brought up Hudson Card because a lot of people were like, you know, just let him play. You know, let's 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 see what he can do. Kind of like at Oregon with Ty Thompson. Um, but sometimes just those, those kids, they, I think people forget they they still are kids. They're right. freshmen coming in and sometimes it's for the detriment that, um, you know, some of these players come in and light it up right away. Um, so some of those guys need two or three years. So, you know, and with the college football kind of win now mode, they are, they are, they might need to move on to a different school. And, you know, I think that's fine. I think, you know, a lot of traditionalists don't like that and everything don't, you know, don't want players to play early, you know, and everything like that, but it's just the way things are now. You have to play players early. And then if you don't, they, they might need to move on. Like, um, you know, like, because Oregon just got, um, you know, you just got uh, more um, that big recruit quarterback recruit. So it's kind of like, you know, if Ty Thompson doesn't play this year, um, yeah, with Bo Nitz there, he's probably, he's probably going to move on, but you know, that still might be okay for him. And I, I think that's kind of the exciting part with the transfer portal is it gives these, you know, call, young college players more of an opportunity to not just like have to sit somewhere and just like waste away. They could have made a bad decision when they were 17 and picked a, 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 the, the wrong school to go to. And they could still, you know, find their way. Whereas before you had, might not get to play for three years because you'd have to sit out, you know, that that uh, that one year like they kind of had before. Yeah, I, I think it's such an unfair expectation. Like, you expect some kid to go sign four or five years of his life away and then to, to ride the bench after that, you know, or essentially think about what was that one guy's name that came in for Tom Brady that one year when he tore his ACL. He was behind him. Oh, Matt Castle. Matt Castle. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's been a long day. I couldn't remember his name. Think of, like, his situation. What if he'd been able to transfer somewhere? He probably has some kind of uh, program record at this point. No, yeah, def- definitely, and I think it's just so crazy what Nick Saban's been able, and to a extent, uh, Dabo at Clemson, that those guys stay there, and they're like, "Hey, I'm fine, set in two years, and I know if I like ball out that that one year, I get to start, I'm going straight to the NFL." Right. I, I think it's so crazy that I mean, obviously the success and everything, but still, these are just they're young kids that probably think like I should be playing like the guy he hauls and the, you know, there are some of those, but for the most part, Saban does a great job of especially wide receivers and running backs, keeping them in the program and, you know, kind of like, you know, and they're fine. But the thing is they're ready when they get in there that third year. Um, it's just, you know, instilling that, that patience within, within that. I, I, I think it's really crazy. Have you heard, did you see Saban's recruiting pitch when it was leaked from that kid that recorded on a Zoom? I, I would imagine. I don't know who it was, but I would imagine he ended up signing with Alabama. It's like a year ago, beginning of the pandemic. Did you see that? I don't think so. Oh man! So Saban, like, he sits down with these kids and he tells them, "He's like, look, I, you know, Amari Cooper, 
I, I would assume that he was a wide receiver or defensive back. I have no idea who it was. But um, it's like Amari Cooper in the long list of like really talented wide receivers. He's like he's talking about I would assume he's a defensive back because like, you know, during practice, they would line up against the best guy in college football. One of them, by the time they get to game day, it felt like practice because they are playing against more talented players. So that's, I mean, that's that's the pitch that keeps them. Um, but Clemson, on the other hand, I don't know, man. I don't. Dabo Swinney seems kind of set in his ways to like really excel in this new era. This will be a, a very very telling year. And I, every good coach is allowed to have it a nine and three season, like Saban had it in 2010 after they had an undefeated national championship season and they lost to South Carolina if I'm not mistaken that year too everyone's allowed to have it but like in the area like the transfer portal NIL and uh Dabo Swinney's kind of seemingly refusal to really adapt to this era we'll see no I totally agree and with how bad that offense looked last year at Clemson I know we were going off the rails but after this we'll get back but yeah uh, yeah yeah but, um, I mean, that defense continues. That defensive line continues. They just got, like, I think a five-star defensive lineman. That defense is good. So it's good enough, especially in the ACC, to keep them in games. But if they have another bad offensive year, it kind of is like you're, you're kind of looking like, does he need a elite quarterback for that offense to run? Like, you know, a Trevor Lawrence before that, a Deshaun Watson, you know. Um, and if he doesn't have that, you know, it kind of looks like if he – if that's true, truly what it is, they might have to go all in on these, you know, elite quarterbacks and kind of adapt to the NIL type thing. Um, you know, last week I was, uh, I had Matt Bruning on and we talked about NIL and all that and how crazy it is. And there's been things that coming out where um, there's clauses in like the, the contracts about, you know, where some of those, those payments aren't going through and everything, which, which we, I mean, it was bound to happen. Um, I'm a little surprised it happened this soon. But you knew it was good. There's gonna be there's gonna be kind of kind of things like, like in the movie um, in, in the movie uh, Blue Chips. You know when uh, Penny Hardaway wanted to leave. You know, but they were like, well, we're gonna take your mom's home, so you gotta stay here. Right. So you knew there's gonna be some kind of those kind of agreements where you know, I mean, it's great for them to make that money, but there are gonna be sometimes when they are, they do have to stay at those schools. So it's gonna be very interesting, and it's gonna be like movies. It's gonna but you know it's going to be more in the public eye than it ever was before. Yeah, it's, it's you know I'm I'm all about nil. Um, I I think the regulations on it should be loose. People are going to spend how they do. Um, but I think there should be some rules. However, the only thing that makes me nervous about it is the leverage it gives donors, the donor base, especially these big universities like Texas, like you were saying. And Lane Kiffin mentioned this a few months back. It's like when he was at, in Oakland, the owner would come down and be like, hey. Play so and so that that first rounder we drafted. He's like, well, no, I want. I got to play the guys that are going <laughs> to right, definitely win each play, so we can win each game. Um, you know, so it's. I try not to think about it. <laughs> I mean, going back to uh, you know example at Texas, um, if NIL was around back then, you know, Major Applewhite might not have got on the field. You know, because with 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 Chris Sims, those those type of things. You know, it'll be interesting how that how that happens, and if some of the you know more old school coaches will leave programs, even though they might be having success because they don't like those type of um, conversations. So let's get back to the, the, the strategy or whatever. So yeah. So CTC um, now on the college side. So every year there's a, you know, it depends. I'm in one league where there was only a 12 round um, supplemental, but usually it's 15 rounds supplemental. And um, at least from, this is only my second year doing supplementals, but from what I've seen, usually the, High-level freshmen go mostly in the first two rounds, and then after that, there's you start looking at some of those, um, you know, players that are already in college that are high producers, um, kind of like you know BYU's uh, Jaron Hall. I got him in like the third round this year. Uh, Tillman from Tennessee, those type of players. Nice. Um, have you kind of kind of seen that where it's um, mostly the high-level freshmen, you know, first couple rounds? Then you kind of see. Um, some of those high high producing players, and then it kind of goes back to the rest of the the freshmen. Have you, is that what you kind of noticed? I don't think I can uh, speak to that as well. Just how the fact that um, the leagues are all of my supplementals this year are the auction style. But I, I you know, of course, like uh, Jane Blue and uh, Singleton and Burden and um, uh, Evan Stewart, they all float to the top 
they're they're uh, extremely expensive in auctions. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have a good answer for that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. But yeah, a lot of those players, um, I don't think I've been able to get Burden, even though I, I you know, I watched his tape. I love, you know, I loved watch, watching him. It's probably another part um, that would be the harder part um, for people new to, new to it that might not be so into recruiting or college is kind of just like checking out the the freshman. You can obviously look at the rankings like like at campus to Canton or, or whatever. But I think it's good to maybe just even watch, you know, a highlight every now and then of, um, you know, obviously that high school tape isn't great. And my hardest part looking at for incoming freshmen, um, high school seniors is, you know, they look like they're playing against like, like cake, you know, right. competition. But I mean, you just got to watch like, you know, how they run, you know, what they do, because I mean, they are better than everyone else, but um, you can't like take that against them. Um, so I think that's the hardest thing for me when I'm evaluating uh, freshmen. Yeah, I, I have a really hands-off approach, actually. Um, I I stick to almost – I go by – I look at some of the rankings, 24-7 sports, and I guess on three is good. The Campus of Canton has their fantasy stuff. Um, and then the Debbie dashboard, if I'm not mistaken, they have a, a pretty good rankings too. But um, where I, I do the majority of the evaluation for any freshman player is – the spring practice, I read the beat reporters at the local newspapers. They're the guys that are like out there sitting on the sidelines, kind of uh, really soaking in um, who looks fast compared to everyone else who's in better shape, um, who's hurt, who's getting the reps while so and so is hurt. Uh, that's that's where I found, gleaned a lot of, I thought, like advantaged or to my advantage knowledge. Yeah, that's definitely a good. Um, beat reporters and everything is I think that's even more important in college than the NFL because you know the NFL NFL information just flows freely but college you know you want that that guy that's at the practice and this year I watched more spring games than I've ever watched and you know a lot of people say spring games don't matter I mean it doesn't necessarily like I'm not taking it as gospel but if I see so a freshman play well in a spring game at least that to me is like you know the coaches are going to see that. So they're going to probably give them opportunity, at least, you know, in games early, whereas freshmen that look bad or transfer players that look bad, like who well, I watched the Florida, uh, Florida spring game this year, um, you know, uh, Bowman, I knew he, he looked bad to me. I'm not surprised he transferred in uh, Montreal Johnson. He looked good to me. So after that, I was like, he's going to play, you know, even though other people were, were saying, you know, with Bowman, with the high recruiting and everything, he was supposed to be, this was going to be perfect for him. I was like, he just didn't look good. And we saw he transferred out, um, you know, a lot, you know, and Montreal Johnson's kind of moving up people's boards and everything, those type of things. Um, and two, uh, obviously I watched the Michigan spring game. There's some wide receivers, uh, four-star wide receivers that aren't going to play this year, but I saw them, you know, make some nice plays. So I'm kind of like, all right, you know, if there's a tie on some players like late in supplementals, like 14, 15 round, I might want to pick those players. I've seen them do things in those spring games, um, you know, could kind of stash for either next year or the year after. Right. You know, I think a, a big part of those spring games and the guys who make plays is, is not not everyone's going to be Xavier worthy, like you're saying, and they're going to have some a true freshman breakout, but it shows who coaches are going to work to develop over the next year or two. Because um, there's so many players in each position. And there's only X amount of coaches, even though there seems like a, a, there's a crazy amount of coaches on the college football field these days. You know, they only get <laughs> compared to like playing like high school varsity ball. I played a, a, a really small place. Um, we get we played both sides of the ball a lot of times. Those guys only get like a handful of reps, and like relatively speaking. So if they have a big play in a spring game or practice, coaches are going to remember that just because there's so many forgettable plays in between. Definitely, and um. You know, talking about like the Alabamas and Clemsons, like especially Alabama, they bring in so many high high end wide receivers and running backs and everything. So if if you know there's that many, then like if you m just make one play, you know, in practice or a spring game, they're like that. That's obviously going to be in those positional coaches, you know, minds. So they're going to maybe you know if you make a mistake in the game, but they're like, well, I know this guy can make these plays in practice and everything. So I'm going to give him a little more leeway, you know, give him a couple more opportunities. Whereas um, if you don't do well in practice or in the spring game, 
I mean, it's going to be hard for you to even get on the field at some of those places. Yeah, and like I, you mentioned, like how if a guy makes a mistake in a game, that's such a, a good indicator if he corrects that mistake and a guy like Saban's mind. That shows you're learning, you're developing, and not just physically but mentally. And you know, it's it, you hear Saban stress it all the time. I know we keep referring to him, but he is the the godfather of it all. I mean, uh, he's the, he's the golden standard. Yeah. I mean, just. And it's not just, you know, um, him doing it on the college level, you know, like some coaches. I mean, we've seen Alabama players go to the NFL and do amazing. It might take them a year or two, but for the majority of them, get drafted high, and then they perform, you know, for a certain amount of time. So uh, to talk about um, on the college side, so what do you consider, like, one of the, like, the hardest positions to kind of um, keep stocked in? Like, is there a certain position that you stockpile? Well, after last year, I make sure now in supplemental, I at least get like two tight ends, just so just so I have some sort of. Um, actually, there was a C2C league last year. I only picked one tight end, like in forty five rounds. I did not like. I wasn't trying to do that, and someone that they were all making fun of me after afterwards. Like I didn't even know um, that I. And it was Cole Turner. It was a good tight end, but like now he's gone, and like I had no one. So in the supplemental, I had to pick like five tight ends. Um, just to just to replenish that. But is there a certain position that you try to stockpile more than others? Uh, I, it varies. So I stockpile running backs no matter what. Um, I'm always almost always go running back heavy. I took Jackson Smith Najiba Najiba. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, in the first round of a, a 16 man startup, just because I was at the end of the round and uh, there weren't any like really uh, even Sean Tucker going to that point. But um, other than that. Positional-wise, what I learned from last year, my first year, quarterbacks on the college side. Like, you, if you're not – you don't have guys that are averaging between, like, 26 to, like, 33, 34, if not more points a game, like the Tanner Mordecais and uh, folks like that, you're not going to win. Like, you're going to be, like, a, a – if not a bottom feeder, then, like, a permanently stuck in the middle on your college side. Like, that – it seems like that, that point differential, if you can just – keep everything, everyone else steady on your roster between uh, among the skill players and if your quarterbacks boom, that, that seems like be the difference maker in a lot of, unless it's just like someone misses a player or something like that, you know, or starting a player. I mean, Oh yeah, totally. And the, uh, I made a couple of trades. Um, y'all probably talk about this after I make this point. Uh, so I, yeah, I had a uh, Zappy and Hartman, you know, from Wake Forest in Western Kentucky and they were putting up like 60 points, you know, so right. it made, it, it made up for, when a running back had a bad game or when a wide, because even these really good players, you know, in college, there's going to be bad games, you know, even when they play bad teams, that's going to happen um, more often probably than, you know, NFL players, because, you know, obviously the NFL players, they don't have to go to class. They don't have to worry about, you know, like all, all this other thing. They can focus on football. They're not um, teenagers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, college, they, there's so much that we don't know that happens, you know, because uh, the coaches don't want to tell you if they have an injury. You know, right. because a lot of people um, rumors that Tank Bidsby had an injury last year, and that's why, you know, he wasn't as good and everything, but we don't know. And I think sometimes the coaches think that they're protecting the players, which in a way they are, but in the, you know, public perception, they're probably hurting them because – if they play poorly, if so, if we knew more, you know, like, oh, they have an injury, maybe that's why, you know, he, you know, fumbled or he threw an interception. But, you know, I understand not, not, you know, the, the college coaches not wanting to give up that, you know, that advantage and everything. Um, so there was something I was going to talk about right before I said that. And now I, now I do not remember. What well, it was. While you're remembering, man, that the whole injury list thing or the re- reserve list in college football is such a weird, antiquated thing. You know, that the fact they don't release these players' names. Um, and to kind of add like what you're saying is I, I think they will probably have to evolve on that just because with NIL and everything, players are becoming their own personalities unlike they were before. I mean, they're not like just like kids with a YouTube channel or something. They're, they're big brands in their own, like – Tom Brady, TB12 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if this is exactly what I was going to talk about, but um, another another strategy type thing, and I actually told a couple of people that uh, asked about, you know, startups, 
is a lot of times if you don't think your NFL team is going to compete this year and you have older players like I had uh, Cordero Patterson or those type of players, you can definitely trade those to, um, you know, the, the competing uh, NFL teams, uh, or, you know, in, in your CTC league and get like great value on college players, you know, like, you know, I mean, Cordell Patterson might give you, you know, another year, but I was able to get some really good college players that helped me, you know, a lot and that are probably going to be NFL players because, um, you know, they want to win on that NFL side because a lot of these C2C leagues, the NFL side gets you more money. So, you know, they, they kind of, so that's why I said, you know, kind of mid year, kind of reevaluate, you might have a strategy, reevaluate where you are and then kind of make some trades maybe on the college side to get some players, you know, um, and to get like those, uh, those, those throw-ins and everything like that. Yeah. So you kind of remind me of a trade I made in that uh, minor league football, the 16 man C2C that you brought up earlier. Um, so what I like to do is I look for the guy that's looking to make a push in the college side. You know, if I need to improve my, my pro team, like I, at the time I need to make a, a push for on the pro side, I have a, a good playoff run and everything too. So it was worth it. And the guy I traded with was making a, a push on the college side. And so essentially, like, you're going to get a lot better deal if you get got that kind of leverage. I got I, – I can't remember the exact trade, but it was – I know I sent Tyler Beatty. I wasn't competing on the college side. I was a, a, a middle feeder. And um, Sam Laporta and, like, two other, like, kind of, like, nobody players. I got Travis Kelsey on the pro side just because he wasn't competing on the pros. I wasn't competing on the college. And he valued those players a lot more because of how much how many points they're supporting because they wanted to win the championship. So I just kind of took advantage of it, and it, we both felt good about it afterwards. But at the same time, you know, it's it's all about like timing and the, the leverage you can create in those situations. Definitely. Now I remember what I wanted to talk about. All right, it had to do with quarterbacks. So I think um, at least, and we'll kind of finish the show on this. I think what I've decided is kind of stop piling quarterbacks. I like to have you know probably at the at very least five. Um, on there, you know, especially if you're starting to. So I want to get, you know, the high profile ones that um, I think have an NFL future. Um, that's hurt me with DJU. So I, I you know, he's a, he's another player where honest mistake, man. Yeah, and um, to be honest, I, I I'm just you, he's kind of the player you just have to roll with because you, you're never going to get the value for it. And you're probably never getting a really a trade now. So you just got to hope he figures it out and does it in the NFL. Maybe, you know, it is like a fourth or fifth rounder in the NFL and then just kind of finally something clicks once he gets there. But anyway, those type of players. And then I get a couple of those like Matt quarterbacks that I know are going to stay there like three or four years. I think that's really important to get those younger guys that, you know, um, they might not even be that good. Like, like uh, Gabbert's brother is at Miami of Ohio. I don't think he's very good, but he puts up points. He gives you like 25, 30 points. And he's only a sophomore this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like, um, you know, one, one here in supplementals, uh, Aiden O'Connell out of uh, Purdue, um, you know, they, they're going to put up big numbers there. Um, different players like that. Uh, but I have some of those guys, some of the lower level guys. And then even just, like I said, you know, the lower end power five guys, like, you know, guys at Duke at not Vandy because they've been bad the past couple of oh, years, but, the, <laughs> but like, you know, like Missouri with Beatty last year and, you know, those, those, those type of, um, you know, even, uh, even at Missouri last year with a Basilek, you know, he, he put up like fairly good numbers for a middling quarterback and everything. So I think that's important, not just look for the, you know, guys that are the you know high-level quarterbacks, but you need some of those mid-level guys that are going to stay there four years. And you know, you know, I'm always going to be able to fall back on him if like one of those quarterbacks has a tough opponent, like in the, you know, in the SEC. Um, if you know you have um, like Levis and he's going to play Georgia or Alabama, you have like you know Gabbert that you could throw in for that week and still feel pretty pretty good about. Pretty yeah. good about. So I think that's really important for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I took Quinn Ewers in the, the second round of a 12-man startup this year, and um, I'm riding with uh, Daquan Finn over him in week one, you know? Another guy that I've been picking up a lot in supplementals because he's a sophomore, I believe, so it's kind of like, you know, if he does leave early, that means he, like, balled out and, you know, he has an opportunity to go to the NFL. If not, 
I get him for the full, you know, amount of eligibility. So, you know, and that's what I love. This season too. Oh, a lot of these guys, they still got COVID seasons, man. They're never. Oh, yeah. So they, they, they couldn't even stay even longer. Who knows? They might, some of these guys might be there for six years. So <laughs> <laughs> the Miles Burnins of this world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. So we'll uh, kind of close it on that. So, um, Xander, thanks for joining me. This was fun talking C2C and we'll just um, a little housekeeping. Um, make sure to uh, subscribe to the IDP Kai's channel. And also, I want to let you know for the, um, See it right below me, um, IDP, IDP Guys subscription for one month. You can um, use the promo code SFBPodathon and uh, for $1, get a, a month subscription. And also a couple of leads that were uh, advertising, the 2022 IDP Autism Awareness Invitational. Um, you can sign up for that. I'll have all these links in the YouTube channel. And then also, if you become a subscriber with that promo code for $1, we have um, a master's tourney that's just $35 for subscribers or anyone on staff and um, you can win cash prizes and I believe a trophy or anything like that. So I'll put that in the, um, in the details uh, on the YouTube channel. And uh, yet again, Xander, thanks for joining me. If you have any questions for, um, for uh, C2C leagues, or if you want to, you know, get in one, it might be a little late this year, but obviously, you know, always next year um, don't hesitate to uh, reach out to me or put any comments on the YouTube channel. Same goes to me. Thanks for having me. Now, give me a shout on Twitter or something if you want to get into C2C.